celebrating the storytellers who widen our horizons. Authors on the Air. The Authors on the Air Global Radio Network presents The Authors on the Air 2021 Book of the Year Awards. With your hosts, Pam Stack and Terry Shepard. Let's meet the winners. Best Crime Fiction, Matt Coyle. Best Fantasy Novel, Cadwell Turnbull. Best Paranormal Romance, Emma Scott. And Best Horror Novel, Richard Chismar. And now, here's Pam Stack. Welcome, everyone, to the 2021 Authors on the Air Book of the Year Awards. We have some very fascinating books and authors for you to talk to. Terry Shepard and I are your hosts for tonight with special appearances by two other hosts in our network. But let me give you a little bit of information about our books. Our first nominee and finalist in the horror category is Richard Chismar for Chasing the Boogeyman. Our next in the fantasy genre is Cadwell Turnbull for No Gods, No Monsters. And our third in crime fiction is Matt Coyle for Blind Vigil. And last but not least in paranormal romance, Emma Scott. Definitely a talented group of authors, Pam, and they went through a very rigorous process to make it this far. We have a private closed group of hundreds and hundreds of book lovers who read all genres and then tally the votes at the end of every month, figure out who won for the month, and then move on to the next month. These are readers, not writers, so you know that you're truly getting the best of the best from readers, your target audience. And at the end of November 30th, all the finalists are sent to the network where we tally them up there's a final vote, and here we are, Terry. So let's meet our four finalists for the 2021 Authors on the Air Book of the Year. Our honoree tonight for Best Horror Novel of the Year for the Authors on the Air Awards is Richard Chismar for his book, Chasing the Boogeyman. Chasing the Boogeyman is a genre-bending, mind-tingling horror show that also combines bits of fake true crime, as well as a love letter to Richard's hometown, his family, and his childhood friends. So Richard, you have made a long career out of putting your fingers into the imaginations of readers and typing out their worst fears. So my question for you, Richard, is what are your worst fears? What scares you? This could be something silly. This could also be something that gives you full body nightmare sweats. I'm a believer. Uh, you know, I still believe in UFOs and I still believe there's a Bigfoot out there somewhere. So, so yeah, I, I believe in things that go bump in the, you know, in the night. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, not a fond, I'm not fond of the dark. Um, I'm afraid of heights, I'm afraid of snakes. Um, those kind of things, you know. I've got this beautiful pond in my side yard. It's it's just a gorgeous setting with a little island out there. I go fishing out there all the time. It's very peaceful. But we have these giant snapping turtles out there. 
And uh, I remember that movie Frogs from when I was a kid. So, yeah, I, I, I'm scared of a giant, you know, I've seen them about as big as a trash can lid out there, but I'm always scared there's one that's like as big as uh, like the hood of, of a car or something. It's going to come out and snatch me. And, and, and I have voiced those fears to my family and they just laugh at me. So, so yeah, I'm scared of plenty of things. You know, I remember telling my wife once, you know, I'm like, what do you think? I, I had to go downstairs in the middle of the night or something. And I'm to the dark and she's like yes i'm like well you know what you might be right so yeah i, I think that's helped me in my career I, i'm still a big believer and and kind of a big chicken inside richard as i said before chasing the boogeyman is a terrifying genre combining novel part true crime part horror part memoir what was it about your formative teenage years and the town you were raised that made for such a great setting and mood for your book you know, but I was like I said, I was always that weird cat who kind of saw the dark side of stuff too. So I, I was always scaring my friends, and I was like, I was always the one saying, you know what? We don't know what goes on behind these closed doors and these closed uh, window drapes. You know, everyone looks normal, everyone says hello to you, but you know, we don't know the, the what you know is under their masks, and uh, that's kind of what Boogeyman is. It's about a small town losing its innocence, and and me going along for the ride and losing my own with it. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, it, it can only happen, I think, in that kind of a setting. Congratulations again, Richard, on being the honoree for best horror novel of the year. And I wish you luck. This is one of my favorite books of the year. When Terry and Pam open that envelope to see who wins book of the year. Cadwell Turnbull's award-winning short science fiction has appeared in prestigious publications such as Asimov Science Fiction and Best American Science Fiction and Fantasy. His debut novel, The Lesson, won the 2020 Newcom Institute Literary Award and was optioned by AMC Mission Entertainment. Tonight, we honor him for No Gods, No Monsters, a novel NPR described as the first in a series with extraordinary potential. Congratulations, Cadwell. Monsters such as werewolves and vampires came into being ages ago to help people in a pre-industrialized world characterize their fears about the dangerous unknown. Now we live in a digital age where information is at our fingertips and the dangers are as mundane as the kid in the cafeteria with the handgun in his backpack. How did your experience of the modern world influence your approach to ancient monsters? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, taking from, you know, what you just mentioned about a kid in a cafeteria with a handgun, it's, it's, these are the things that we consider mundane, but if we take a step back and look at them, are not mundane at all. They're, you know, you know, terrifying um, consequences to, you know, decisions that we've made as a culture or as systems um, within a society. And, you know, one of the things that inspired um, a part of the book was um, police shootings. And so I was, you know, taking this, this thing um, that we recognize in the modern world, and then I added this werewolf spin to it. But I think that the reason why it made sense to me was because I think that, you know, even with werewolves involved, it maps really well onto how we understand um, how we gather information in the modern world. Like when we look at something like uh, a pol police footage um, of a shooting, we we have to ask ourselves really tough questions based on what's in the frame. And there's a lot of things that we don't, we can't see. And so there's both, you know, um, looking at that information and having very complicated reactions to it, but then there's also a lot of questioning that we have to, you know, bring to that um, those, that footage. And so, with the werewolves being real in the context of the novel, 
people are asking themselves those same kind of questions. Is that really a werewolf? What is going on there? And, you know, that stuff feels like, you know, even though it's very different, the questions that they're asking, it feels like it maps very well onto some of the things that we ask when we see these moments, these, like, you know, brief moments of violence. Um, the other thing, you know, um, this splitting that happens in the book, some people believing that monsters are real and some people still not believing monsters are real despite evidence um, within the story. Um, at first, when I was working on the book, I thought, oh, this is going to be something that's going to be difficult to sell. Like, people are not going to buy this, right? Um, it's going to be hard for people to believe that there would be a split down the middle. But then, the, you know, the pandemic happened. And I feel like we still see people that dismiss things that are clearly right in front of them and we see people that um, believe in it and those people exist in the same reality and they have to navigate the same spaces or similar spaces and um, it was something that I was worried about that wouldn't have come across well like people would ask like you know um, questions about but it feels like it makes sense within the context of our current situation. You know, some of those things are surprising. You know, the, the pandemic was definitely not something I predicted as I was working on the book. Um, but the way that we've responded to it makes sense based on how we've responded to other things in our past. And, um, you know, this this moment of, um, of um, this footage of a werewolf shifting in and out of its form does a lot of work to unpack some of the, you know, messy things that we, we try to navigate in society. What does your novel say to us about who the real monsters are? I try not to be too didactic about what I think the lessons are of a particular work. Like I try to um, make it as, um, give it enough ambiguity for people to kind of make up their own minds about things. But I do think the novel is is asking um, some real hard questions about monstrosity. Like there, you know, the monsters in the book may appear to be monstrous so we do have werewolves and we have vampires and we have mages and witches and all kinds of stuff um we also have some varieties that i know from growing up in the virgin islands so we have a sukuyant which is a which is kind of like a vampire mix between a vampire and a selkie they remove their skin and they they suck blood um and on the surface of that that sounds very scary that sounds like you know um a predator something that you should be afraid of but the, the monsters that actually show up in a book are very human and they have, you know, very complicated relationships to even the things that they do, you know, like sucking blood to them is, is, is sustenance, but also a source of great shame, you know, and the werewolf shifters have to struggle with their animal side and their human side and trying to balance the two. And so the way that I was trying to, you know, um, play with these, these, um, these monsters from popular society and Caribbean folklore was try to give them a humanity to put up against their monstrous side and to have them struggle with those parts of themselves and um, ask the question of like, well, if they're working on these things within themselves and, you know, they have these certain challenges, shouldn't they have a place within society? Shouldn't we be supporting them? You know what I mean? And I think that, you know, in previous eras, we wouldn't have asked that question, but now there's a lot of, um, other types of uh, marginalization that we are we are grappling with and we're trying to understand and we're trying to make space for um, space we should have given already but now we're trying to do good by and so adding monsters to that was one of the things that I wanted to do I was like what if this is another part of someone's identity could we make space for it um, the other thing is you know we in the novel because people are very afraid of monsters and 
these things are kind of scary. Um, it causes people to act in ways that are monstrous. You know, they, they respond with, you know, hate crimes and hate speech and um, all kinds of stuff. And this is something that I, I'm going to explore a bit more in the, the follow-up books. Um, and the, the thing that I'm sort of trying to say there is that monster monstrosity or being a monster is a behavior thing it's a choice thing it's not uh aspects of yourself thing you know you can you can be a vampire and be an ethical vampire but you can and you can also be a terrible human being you know so like um those things are compli more complicated than the way that we tend to you know present them in a lot of our media Kedwell Turnbull, congratulations on winning Authors on the Air 2021 Best Fantasy Novel of the Year. And good luck when the envelope is open to reveal the best novel. Matt Coyle has been writing for 20 years, and the story we're honoring tonight is his seventh Rick Cahill novel. Blind Vigil takes us where few detectives have gone before, when Rick must solve a mystery without the most important sense in a PI's toolbox, his eyesight. We won't give away any more of the plot for those of you who haven't read the book yet, but a plethora of five-star ratings and sales volume that spawned Matt's fall 2021 masterpiece, Last Redemption, is solid proof that Rick Cahill's legions of fans are hungry for more. Matt, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I've been writing for 20 years, and I hear that said. It reminds me that it took me 10 years to get published. I figured I have more books out now, but uh, happy to be here. How did you navigate the creation of a tale in first person, where your protagonist is without his most powerful investigative sense? Well, it took some figuring. Um, initially, I didn't really think that, I, that the first person, private eye, who had, was blind, vision impaired, could carry the book in first person. So I actually wrote in a third person um, bad guy through about 100 pages. He'd be every couple scenes or so, and uh, or chapters. And because I, I, I did not have that confidence, but then uh, the more I wrote Rick and just put him in the situation, the more I realized you can't tell the story. You can't change it now. Rick has to, you know, you got to be able to tell the story from Rick's limited point of view. So I cut the, I cut the uh, third person guy after all about halfway through the book. So how I did it, I don't really know, but I cut a guy. What is it about Rick Cahill that keeps your readers coming back? Well, I'm, I'm glad they do. I'm honored they do. Uh, I think it's uh, that he's flawed, but he tries. He, um, he does live by his own code, which can be dangerous for people. Uh, people that have the propensity to be violent, which he does. But he seems to be fall mostly on the right side of people's um, feeling of um, what's right and wrong. But I think they care about him because he's flawed, but he tries. He, he's, he's earnest in his um, efforts, uh, if not always successful. Matt Coyle, congratulations on winning the Authors on the Air 2021 Best Crime Fiction of the Year. We'll be looking forward to what the envelope says about Blind Vigil when Pam and I announce the Book of the Year Award. I am so excited to be able to announce this year's Paranormal Romance Winner of the Year. It is author Emma Scott for her book, The Sinner. Emma has written in various genres in romance, from YA to MM to FF to traditional romance to paranormal. 
She continues to write. She is a USA Today bestselling author, also for the Wall Street Journalist. She's written 25 plus books and had them translated in six different languages. Welcome to Authors on the Air Book of the Year, Emma. Oh, thank you. I'm so thrilled that you're here, and I'm thrilled to present you with this award for your book. But first of all, um, I want to say that when I had the opportunity to read The Sinner, I was so struck by how many different non-tropes you used in your book. You have someone who is a sinner, a saint, there's redemption, there's love, and it spans time zones from very, very early historical to contemporary to in the future. So my question to you is, how and why did you choose to write so many different subgenres of romance? I think it's not so much that I choose to write them as I just kind of follow where my muse is going to go. And so if a character has a story to tell, then that's the story that I my energy gets kind of uh, diverted into. And so I don't sit around thinking like, oh, I should try my hand at um, writing a male-male book, let's say. It was mostly that I had this character from a previous book and I love him. And then he kind of tells me, I'll have a story to tell. And so I, it comes from there. So it comes from a place of like, what, what do I need to say next? Not so much like a calculated, ooh, let's try my hand at this genre kind of situation. Emma, my next question to you is, um, since you seem to have written an awful lot in this romance genre, how has your life changed since before you started writing and now? And do you plan to expand your genre writing? Are children's books, nonfiction, or other books in your future? It's changed quite a bit, I would say. I mean, it really is something to have a career be your love and your passion like it really is pretty amazing like I'm still sometimes kind of in awe that like I get to do what I love for a living you know um so it's changed in the fact that I've always felt like I was a writer but sometimes writers don't allow themselves to wear that title until they've like accomplished something or you know or I don't know it's just some weird kind of thing that we have where we're like, oh, I love writing, but I'm not a writer. I don't, I don't know where it comes from. But um, <laughs> so having, you know, 25 some odd books behind me, it just, it really is gratifying and exciting. And I, as for the future, um, I'm writing a memoir, actually. Um, that's my next kind of foray is to try my hand at nonfiction for a minute and then for a hot minute. <laughs> and then after that, I really don't know. I think writing the memoir is going to kind of open myself to new stories and what might come next. I don't know if it's romance, I don't know if it's another genre, or if it's even screenplays, I don't know. I feel like on the other side is going to be a new horizon, so I'm excited about that. I'm thrilled that you are our Paranormal Romance Book of the Year awardee. Um, I wish you all the best, and we'll see you in the final round. Wow, Terry, I, I don't think we've ever had a more amazing group of authors and books. Pam, I have to agree. You and I read scores of books every year, and I'm glad I wasn't one of the judges from the Authors on the Air book review crew who had to pick talent to fill these four spots. As far as I'm concerned, every one of them is a winner. Boy, you're not kidding. So I guess it's time for us 
to find out who is the 2021 Authors on the Air Book of the Year Award winner. I'm assuming you received the envelope and haven't opened it until now? Yes, ma'am. I always follow my partner's directions. I received the FedEx package earlier this week, and inside the envelope I now hold in my hands, it's the judge's decision. So without further ado, let's open it and see who is selected to be the best of the best. This is my favorite part. We need a drum roll. I think our director can handle that request. The Authors on the Air 2021 Book of the Year Award goes to... Blind Vigil by Matt Coyle. Oh my goodness, congratulations, Matt Coyle. Blind Vigil was groundbreaking in the Rick Cahill series. We're thrilled for you and you absolutely deserve it. Wow, Uh, I'm a little flummoxed, but absolutely more Rick on the way. Oh my goodness, if it's this many great authors that that we had to winnow through, or our judges did, can you imagine how fantastic next year is going to be? In the meantime, writers, keep writing. Readers, keep reading. We're looking for you. We're going to keep an eye on you this year. Thank you for being with us, everybody. And thank you, Mom and Dad. Happy holidays, everyone. See you in the new year.